three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast and big, big show tonight, folks. Water. What is more important than clean, drinkable water? Uh, you could make a strong argument that there is nothing more important to civilization than having a water source. You like Starbucks? Not without water. You like pizza? It's not happening without water. You like to take showers? I know the people that use patchouli out there instead of showers are probably like, no, but most people like showers. Well, you can't take a shower without water, obviously. You like brushing your teeth, baking, everything else you can think of. Bottom line is that to live on this planet, we need clean water. And not having it, it's a complete showstopper. Well, tonight, folks, tonight I bring you a hero, a true American hero. He is devoted much of his adult life to ensuring the presence of clean drinking water. And without people like him, we would all be in a much worse position. And we are all lucky enough to have him here in the studio tonight. So please, without further ado, please give a warm no outlet welcome to Dan Finer. Hey, Dan. Hey, Ethan. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm blushing a little bit there. <laughs> that who, was... you, who are you talking about? <laughs> well, you know, it's like, look, at the end of the day, you can take anything and, and magnify how important. But with this, I don't think you really have to try that hard because you really do need water for everything. And, and we're going to get into all that. We're going to play a game, uh-huh. and that game is called 20 Questions. And it always starts in the exact same place, and that's question number one. Question number one. You've done a lot of things. You've lived a lot of places. Have you ever seen a UFO? Uh, Good question. Um, I cannot say that I have ever seen a UFO. I'm trying to think back. I was uh, taking a leak once outside of a... Mm -hmm of a car while drinking in college, you know, in the car, in the Apples. parking lot. Yep. And I saw the Northern Lights, but that's about the closest I've come. Okay. That's cool. I've never seen the Northern Lights. I wish I had. I did see it. I think I saw the Northern Lights. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been mescaline. Un- yeah, under the influence a little bit. But yeah. Uh, so I saw something. I only asked that question because I have wanted to see one my whole life, and I finally saw one last summer. And I don't know if, I, I think I'm convinced. Really? Yeah. We were in York, Maine, um, renting a little cottage with a family, and me and my sister were looking up, and thankfully she saw it too. And I'm like, "What? What is that right there?" And she's like, "I don't know." And it was like you could just tell it had like a, it was like a triangular shape of of uh, big, huge lights, and it was not moving at a speed that an airplane move at. It wasn't the same size. And the minute we started talking about it and pointing everybody to look at it. It literally just like vaporized. And really? Go- yep. And everyone was blown away by it. It was now. I don't think it was. I don't know what it was, but I'm equally unidentified. Unidentified. That's the U part. I-, I think that it's equally likely that it is a military vessel that they don't want us to know about yet, as it is someone from some other planet. But it was something. It wasn't a 747. It wasn't the KC-135. It was none of those things. It was uh, something well, else. Rye Beach, I remember seeing 
it, it didn't have big lights or anything, but it was like, a, I thought at first I was going to answer your question, but I think it was like a, a geosynchronous satellite. Have you ever seen that? I, I, yes. Yes, I have. So I have looked up and seen like a star that just seems to be moving. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Geosynchronous. That's guys look that up. That's yeah. a good word. I think that's what it was. All right. So, but uh, if it was geosynchronous, it wouldn't be moving. I wouldn't see it moving. It'd be moving with the speed of ahead. the Earth. Correct. Yeah. So maybe. So, so I'm talking. Maybe you have. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't be moving. It would just be a. It'd be it'd be stationary, and it would appear to be in the same position. It would be moving, but we couldn't tell because it's moving in the same speed exactly. as we are. Right. Right. Yeah. So I saw something moving. So it was probably a plane. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm a skeptic, so. Okay, that's good. We need skeptics. We do. We also need clean water. Um, So I'm going to let you explain to the good folks because I don't want to butcher it, but you're basically an engineer that helps people gain access to clean water. Obviously, like I mentioned, an extremely important need. So what got you interested in environmental engineering and what exactly is it that you do? Um... What got me interested in it? It's it's actually funny because I was I was not the when I look back when I went into college I was seventeen. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so I was the youngest in my class, my sister and I. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I went off to college and I wasn't very motivated or didn't. So I actually remember I I went to school. Norwich University, I got as a criminal justice major, which was just kind of like the default major. I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. I probably didn't fill anything out. They just like wrote that down. You're going to be a cop. To, yeah, because I forgot to. Well, actually, my brother, I think, studied that. So I kind of, this is a true story. Uh, so I went up there just like, yeah, I'm just going to go and, mm-hmm. you know, no real ambition. Right. And my father changed it. Whoa. To environmental engineering. No way. Yeah. yeah. And told me, and I'm I was changing. Like, okay. but, so so he, he saw something in the world at large that said, we're going to need people to clean this shit up. Well, I guess, or he just probably thought that maybe that was, you know, that's how I remember it. He probably didn't, um, he probably thought there was something, you know, better program I could go into. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to the same school, so. Yep. So that was one thing. Um, but once I was in that program, I, I liked it. Um and how I, you know, how I got into water is I just, I went into the Peace Corps after college mm-hmm. and um, under a program that's called Water and Sanitation. So mm-hmm. as a, you know, civil environmental engineer, I went down, I got, I had no, you know, I did not on my application try to, you know, I didn't say where I wanted to go. I just said, send me anywhere. And I ended up going to Honduras and I worked in this water and sanitation program, which meant that I went off to, you know, villages and built water systems. Wow. So that's kind of how I got into it. Yep. And loved it. And, um, I mean, it's a really long story, but I mean, that's how I got it introduced to the water side of civil engineering or environmental engineering. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm actually doing very, um, you know, typical kind of boring civil engineering stuff at water and wastewater treatment plants, um, you know, doing upgrades and whatnot to Listen, don't, facilities. Listen, don't, don't call it boring. Well, okay. 
It's just, it's, it's, it's everything we bo- do is if you do it every day, you have to get up and go there. Well, that's you know? what I was going like, to yeah. say, right? Whether you're working at an office selling shit or you're working at a restaurant, whatever you're doing, eventually it becomes routine, but it certainly isn't boring. So let, let's talk about water specifically. So we, we live on the seacoast. Um, as far as I can tell, I've never lived in a town on the seacoast that had bad water. It all seems like it's pretty good. But if you had. Well, the rye just had a. Boil water. They had, had a little <laughs> problem there for a while. They had some E. coli, I think, in the water. Yeah, my mom still lives in Rye, and my, bro- my brother does too. And they had to uh, boil it for, I think, three or four weeks. It was a while. Yeah. They just turned it off. But if you had to rank, and you know what's funny is now my mom says, after they fixed it, now she's like, my water tastes like Portsmouth water now, oh. which I'm not sure how probably she a lot would of know that. But Overchlorinated, probably. Yeah, that, well, that's exactly what it yeah. is. That yeah. they're, they're just throwing tons of chlorine in there. So it, it, have you ever tasted water from the, the seacoast area and from different towns? And if you have noticed a difference, like what's the best water, what's the worst water, or can't you tell? I, I, if I tried, I could tell, but I'm, I'm very much like, let's drink some tap water because I work, I'm actually a licensed water operator as well. Um, I know what it, I know all the kind of regulations that exist in order to just put out clean water, everything you're testing for. So in my mind, what's coming out of the tap is is good water. And again, I did okay. half my career in developing countries where right. yeah, the water is not good. Where they don't have that same luxury. You don't it's a luxury and it's it's a health luxury and people take it for granted. For so sure. um we do have like we actually buy a lot of bottled water. We just got a water cooler, but I'm still like, you know, we can drink out of the tap. Right. So licensed water operator, that means you know what's supposed to be, pre- you know what goes into water coming out of a tap. So well, therefore, is- I mean, I can, well, it's in the state of Massachusetts, but I can, you know, leave, I can, I'm licensed to to work in a, in a water treatment plant, a portable, potable water treatment plant. So, and one thing I was like, I, when I went to school in Plymouth, they, they had us go through the water treatment facility and basically the, the, the sewage, and if I get this wrong, correct me, but I'm pretty sure the sewage comes in and well, that's wastewater. Okay. Sorry. Wastewater comes in and they treat it, quote unquote, treat it and basically clean all, literally clean the shit out of it. And then they pump it right back into the water supply. Is that accurate? Uh, no. So you, okay. you got to think. There's that's why I said potable, like drinking water, as opposed to wastewater. I see. So it's like I two see. different things. So you'll have a you'll have a drinking water plant that will take like in Portsmouth, it's uh, Bellamy Reservoir, I think yep, it's called, yep. up in up in uh, Durham or Madbury. Sure. So they take that basically lake water, bring it in, treat it, get the dirt out. Um, okay. You know, get the get the solids out of it. Um, they'll. They'll chlorinate it to kill any viruses or bacteria. They'll fluoride. I don't know if Portsmouth has fluoridated water, but f- for dental Probably health. I used to, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's basically taking water, cleaning it up, putting it into the pipe. I'm just picturing like the biggest like pH test strip that you're putting into the water. And is that basically at the end of the process before it goes off into the world? Like, is there that testing or does that happen as you're doing Oh, there's all, there's all sorts of testing. Yeah. I mean, there's... Um, I mean, a conventional treatment plant. Yep. <laughs> We're going to bore everybody here. But, uh, 
I mean, there's usually <laughs> don't worry. Sedimentation. It's not twenty questions all about water. I promise. Yeah. Uh, basically, you'll bring in water that has um, uh, solids in it, so dirt. Right? Sure. Um, that's one physical kind of thing that you got to treat. If you put the water through a big enough tank, and those are designed based on the amount of flow that you need mm-hmm. that you want to treat. There's a certain amount of the solids that will fall out. The majority of it will just fall to the bottom and it becomes sludge. And, mm-hmm. you know, and there's these treatment plants have basically tanks with scrapers along the bottom and they scrape, you know, the dirt and the mud out. Wow. Pump it away. But there's actually a certain, uh, there's suspended solids which don't, that won't fall out and they won't fall out because they're charged. They have, they actually have like an electric charge to them. Yep. So they're, um, what, like charges for uh, opposites attract? Um, yeah, so they're like charges, so they actually, they'll, they'll never settle out because they'll, as they get closer, mm-hmm. though, and these are tiny particles. Um, so we add what's called uh, coagulants to it, which will actually change the charge of that, ah. make them clump together and fall out. No So way. that's like the first step, yeah. That's interesting. So you're like shocking, not shocking, that's the wrong term, you're like, Charging it. Uh, yeah, you're changing the charge of these small little particles. They clump together and they fall out. Interesting. That, that, yeah. See, now I, I do find that interesting. Um, so, all right, your your job has brought you all over the world. Um, going back to the Peace Corps. Yeah. If you had to live someplace else other than the seacoast area of New Hampshire, based on where you've lived and where you want to go, where would you live? You have to move. Where do you move? Outside the country. All right. So I have like wanderlust and I always have. And I think that's part of why I went into the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't so much. I mean, part of it was, you know, doing well and doing water and helping people. But um, part of it is I, I was broken, wanted to travel and it was an opportunity to do so. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I. Where would I go? I think I would move around. I spent most until my kids were born. Um, I did a lot of moving around. I mean, I was in all through Central America and South Asia. Right. Um, And something about that, which was always kind of new and didn't get boring. So I think my default is kind of jobs that kind of take you from here to there, Mm -hmm. moving around. So I did a lot of work with the Red Cross and when... Um, you know, go from place to place. But if you of all the places you've been, right? Let's say you had to go pick one and live there right now. Where would you live? All right. Um, if I had to pick one, well, my my kind of my wife and I have this kind of plan that we're going to execute. That's going to be my wife's from Nicaragua. Yep, we have a house down there, and we've you know we're in. I love the seacoast and yep, yep. New England and but Portsmouth in general and the seacoast New Hampshire seacoast but I have a love for Vermont gorgeous state um even northern New Hampshire I always joke if I get above Rochester I just feel relaxed you know <laughs> that's a key, that's a key I, distinction above Rochester yeah just on 16 <laughs> once I get through past that Lowe's up there right it goes like <laughs> Dover summers with Rochester ah and then just Better. in there, I just feel relaxed. My back is, you know, loose. Same with Vermont, 89. Yeah. If I get up past yeah. Concord and 89 North, same way. So um, I kind of, my ideal thing would be kind of a 
place in Vermont and a place down in Central America. That's and cool. traveling between the two. Yeah, Vermont, I feel like, is just one of those untouched areas. Every time I drive there, I'm like, wow, the air is cleaner. People are just a little bit mellower, yeah. it seems. Um, yeah, certainly more so way. than Mass. Um, yeah, I love Vermont. Uh, I go up to Okemo, um, or I used to go up to Okemo a lot with my girlfriend to... Uh, and I'm ashamed to say, I haven't been, I haven't, you know, I've been to Maine plenty, but there's a lot to explore in Maine for me. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I need to. Little nooks and crannies everywhere. So yep. much coastline. You were a Jimmy Buffett fan um, way before anyone else that I knew. I mean, I think early 80s you were uh, into Buffett. When was your first Jimmy Buffett concert? Oh, my first concert. We were just talking about it, actually. We were looking at concert tickets. Yeah. Uh, it was were. Great Woods. It was Great Woods. Okay. And it had to have been, I think it was 88 or 89. Well, I was in high school. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, And I think it may have been 89. It might have been a graduate, the summer of 89. I think it, my sister Kathleen, my older sister, got me ticket tickets as a graduation mm-hmm. present, I think. I think that's the first time I saw him. Sounds like a good gift. Yep. And 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 how many have you seen? Are you one of those people that have been to like, you know, 20 shows and or more? Or? Well, my relationship with Jimmy's a little complicated. Okay, good. I was, I'm, I'm kind get, of a, I'm getting to that part. Yeah, well, okay, so I have older brothers. Heavily influenced my musical taste by them. And Buffett came directly from my brother Tim. Sure. Um, who was listening to them. So I inherited their record collection stuff when they went off to college. Yep. So, um, I'm fond of the early Buffett stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be a website called like the Orthodox church of, uh, Marvin gardens, which is, do you know the Marvin gardens, Jimmy Buffett thing? I do. I just know Marvin gardens from monopoly monopoly. Yeah. He used to check in the hotels. Buffett apparently is okay. Marvin gardens. Oh, um, and there used to be a website early in kind of the 2000s, late 90s, that was kind of dedicated to the pre, you know, Jimmy's an entrepreneur and capitalist, so he... Yeah, he sure is. Yeah, He's a good so one before, too. yeah, no, for sure, and um, kind of before all that, so it's kind of, you know, curmudgeonly, like, I like the old, you know, A1A and the mm-hmm. white sport coat. So I, so I kind of feel that way. Um Really liked, it was probably 15 years ago that he had that License to Chill album. That yeah, kind of yeah. went number one. Yeah. I liked that a lot. His most recent album I, I didn't like. It was just, I feel like it's him trying to be Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> and yeah. then he and he also put out an album that, uh, over COVID. There was a great little webinar or web series that he did that his daughter was, did you see that called... Mm-hmm. Uh, we well, put on an album by the same name, but Songs You Don't Know by Heart. Okay. His greatest okay. hits was Songs You Know by Heart. And he put out, um, well, they would just, his daughter would videotape him during COVID just doing these old songs, mm-hmm. the ones that I like. And he put out an album called Songs You Don't Know by Heart. Mm. And one, I was a little annoyed because I'm like, well, I know all those songs by heart. You know, those are the ones I like. <laughs> You're not talking to me, Jimmy. And then he overproduced it. You know, so yeah. too crisp. I'm too getting clean. all passionate about this, but uh, that was uh, the right question because you know the the Johnny Cash stuff with Rick Rubin and just mm-hmm. 
I kind of want that with Jimmy. I want like Rick Rubin to. In fact, I think on the what last, an interesting idea, Rick Rubin producing a Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, and just have him sit down and say, "Just here's your guitar," and like like he did with Johnny Cash. Yeah, and Johnny Cash thought he was nuts when he did that, and it was probably some of the most well received music he's ever made. Yeah, so just kind of simplify because so I mean I liked all the I loved all the songs on this songs you don't know by heart, but it. There was a lot of like, it was a lot of production to it. There was a lot of reverb and echo yeah. and stuff. I'm like, so I, I look, I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you what the reality of Jimmy Buffett is because you know, you're a fan. I, I wouldn't say that I'm, oh, a, I'm fan, definitely a fan, yeah. right? So, and I, and I remember I only heard about Jimmy Buffett through you initially. And then I went and saw the requisite Jimmy Buffett concerts. I think it was more like. 92, three, four or something like that. I, maybe a little bit later. I think I saw four or five, and the first one I went to, I'm like, this this is great. What a party! This is a party, right? Right. You got people, you know, doing all kinds of games in the parking lot, and women flashing their boobs, and the whole deal, and just everyone's having a great time. Everyone's dressed up with their shit, right? Yeah. And the first time you see him do the the whole production of like fins to the left, fins to the right, and all that stuff, it's like, oh my god, this is great. So then, like, let's go again next year. So I went again next year. And then I think by the third or fourth time, I'm like, right. I feel like I'm watching a Disney movie over and over again. The that, same, that, yeah. You just captured kind of, yeah, yeah. The I mean, kind of feelings I've had. Yeah, I don't. There's nothing. And look, I don't blame the guy for starting a restaurant named Margaritaville. Like, go for it, dude. Like, sell as many albums you can have, sell as many, you know, tacos as you can. Like, right. To do it all, I just feel like the magic of what I remember. Land shark beer, whatever, whatever <laughs> yeah, it is. All that stuff. Leftover Corona, bottle right, up. Right. Like, you know. I just remember like when you first introduced me to him, I was just like, whoa, this guy is like so laid back and mellow. He wants to hang out on a beach and drink and get a cheeseburger and all that stuff. And it, it just seemed like the magic was lost. And I can imagine for me, who, I was a casual, yeah, like not even a fan. For someone like you that was a real fan, it's got to be like, that's why you want Rick Rubin to ha- just sit yeah, down. And- yeah, so I'm, I'm waiting yeah. for that. Yeah, for sure. It'll happen. Who knows? He did Rick do Rubin. an album called Encores, which is really good, if you have a chance, where he he would um, do Encores. It's just Encores from his concerts where he'd come out, just him and the guitar, and actually do some of the oh, old that's cool. stuff. Yeah. So if you so Mount Rushmore, if you had to do a Mount Rushmore Jimmy Buffett songs, what would you do? Oh, jeez. Um, uh, trying to reason with hurricane season. How many people are on Mount Rushmore? Four? <laughs> Four, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, trying to reason with hurricane season. Um, that's a tough question. Uh, incommunicados jumping into my head, which is off of, uh, Coconut Telegraph. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm spacing on some of these. Um, Shit, you got me. That's uh, okay. You know we're gonna just we'll we'll, we'll make you Mount Rushmore too. We'll just knock Ringling, Ringling. I like okay. that. It pops into my head. Um. Oh, and uh, West Nashville, uh, Grand Ballroom Gown. I think it's nice. There's four. None of them that you would you know most people would think of. I love that. All right. What are your thoughts on the long overdue movement to make karaoke an Olympic event? <laughs> I'm against it, I think. Uh, Explain. My daughter is now working at the Goat in Portsmouth. Okay. That's cool. And I went to Do pick Do they her- karaoke there? No, but they. I went to pick her up and um, she wasn't ready. 
So I walked down to, um, I don't want to name places, maybe because I'm about to shit on them, but, um, but not because not of their service or their food. But I went into a place right in Market Square. Yep. Um, wow. What used to be the uh, Rira. Re- I know the place. Rira? Is that what it was called? There was a Rira. Yep. Um, and it was karaoke night. It was like a Tuesday or something. And I got a beer and I'm just waiting. And I was just like, this is just terrible. But there's a whole culture of uh, karaoke folks who go out. If you if you look over there. I'm sorry. Are you a karaoke Well, guy? tell me what you see over there. Well, because actually, you might see a karaoke machine over in the corner there. <laughs> I'm sorry. i got to be careful. That's okay. No, look Because at- I did see my favorite karaoke ever yeah. was gin and juice. Yeah, I've done kittery. it. At uh, Christmas party. Oh, my you. God. I forgot all about that at Judd's yeah. place. Holy shit. That was good. So, yeah, yeah you're going to make the distinction between good and bad karaoke. but uh, Well, there's a time and a place. Yeah. You know, and maybe Tuesday when you're waiting for your daughter to get And, and this wasn't that place. long ago that I saw this and I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. I mean, I thought they were trying. It was almost performance art, like trying to. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's another place in Portsmouth that I will name, Daniel Street Tavern, that on Saturday, they only have it on Saturday. Um, and on Saturday night at 9 o'clock, people will get there early to sign up. And by the time you go in there to put your name on the list, you're like 15 deep. Like, it's serious. They, yeah. there's, there's the same people that come back. Um, and it's a religion. It, it is It is entertaining. I've I've seen it at Hebert's. Um, and that died down at... They be, do it at Hebert's Co- on Route 1? Before Cobert. Before Cobert. Hebert. Uh, COVID. They, um... My wife and I went in there, and it was... Again, it was just entertaining. It was just like... it was Okay, so the thing I saw the other Tuesday was not entertaining. It was just... I was a little bit concerned about the people who were doing it. <laughs> um, but I have seen it where it's entertaining. <laughs> yeah. And I don't have much of a voice, so I'm a little jealous at the same time. It's all about song selection. I don't have a voice either, but you got to pick a like Hootie and the Blowfish. He, if you notice, he never. There's no real range in that dude's voice. It's all yeah. like low, like this. So that like the reason why Sweet Caroline's so easy to do is because it's like it's not a hard song to yeah. sing. So you just got to pick a song that's like not crazy with the right. Like Queen songs are tough. Back to Johnny Cash. I'll do some Johnny. Johnny Cash. Ring of Fire is a very easy one to do. Right. Um, best Christmas movie of all time. Wonderful Life. I have I have two written I have two words written down next to I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> and there are two words written here, and I want to see if you can telepathically pick it up what I'm written what I've written down. It's about that movie. It's a line in the movie. Um Well, there's tons of them. Two two lines? Two two words. Two words. Hee haw? Uh no. well, I'll keep going. Uh no. it's even more impactful to the whole arc of the he, he he finds something at the end of his journey. Zuzu's pedals. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I dragged my entire family, my kids, and everything to yeah. the music hall this past. Did they show this, it there? They did, and no. I dragged them in there, and they I didn't want to go. And that. I'm saying, "You're coming in," and I'm like, "We're going to do this every Christmas." And now it's like the Elf every day, which the Elf is fine, but it's not. It's, it's not as special as Christmas uh, as um. It's a Wonderful Life. No, there was a couple. There was a. Young lady who went with her grandmother, it looked like, and I tur- the lights came on and I turned around and she was dabbing tears away from her eye. It was beautiful. It's hard to avoid. Yeah. And so in the same way that you turned me on to Jimmy Buffett, I remember I had never even heard of It's a Wonderful Life. And then you had it on Aldrich Street 
in on a VHS tape. You must have because right. you watched it over and over again. And I remember he's saying, like, this is pedals. And I'm just like, what is this? What is this movie he's talking about? And now it's legit one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. It really is amazing. My brother's dog is named Suzu. Well, there was a More band. from the Ford Fairlane. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. Oh, uh, wait. Don't tell me. Dice Clay, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And there was a band from Dover, New Hampshire called Zuzu's Pedals. Oh, really? Yeah. They were, like, uh, around the same time as, like, Thanks to Gravity and um, Heavens to Murgatroyd. Remember all those bits? Fly Spinach Fly, all those Portsmouth bands? Local bands? Yeah, in the early 90s. Uh, Groove Child, all that stuff. Um, speaking of music, do you play any instruments? I do. I, 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 play, I play guitar, and I'm at the point now where I say that confidently. I, ha- nice. I played it for 30 years. Whoa. And um, I recently, past five years or so, I actually have a friend that I get together with and play, and that's made all the difference. So No way. What does he play? Guitar. I mean, we just... Just jam out? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. What kind of music do you guys play? Like classic rock and shit like that? Classic or? rock, kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I love that. Dad I'm rock. I, dad rock. <laughs> um, I tried every instrument. I tried to play everything. I tried to play guitar three times, drums, trumpet, fucking you name it, everything. <laughs> um, and I could never, uh, piano, like I had one of those goddamn Casios. And I could never do it. And guitar is the one thing. And piano it would, be, would be good too. But guitar is even better because if you whip out a guitar anywhere and you've got a group of people and you can play a song, any song that people know, instantly you're just like the, the party is there. It's yeah. good to know how Unless to do. Unless you're shy and an introvert with a bad voice. <laughs> well, that's but, fine. You can but do I've it gone, so I'm, as I get older, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm not, I don't care if, uh, yeah. if my voice sucks. And Nor should you. That's awesome. I, I, uh, my retirement plan is uh, busking down at, at the North Church. So, Well, hey, there's, there's, worse, there's worse retirement <laughs> plans out there. Um, all right, so you're a parent. Um, is it harder being a parent now or when we were growing up? Oh, I, I, I want to say now. I mean, I don't – just because <laughs> there's – I'm struggling right now with a teenage daughter of allowing space and freedom, mm-hmm. but I've also got a phone where I can just like check out where she is and she's smart enough to turn that off, but I'm smarter where I know how to turn it back on, you know? <laughs> yes. And I'm not going to say how I do it in case she ever hears this, yeah, but yeah. Uh, um so there's a surveillance state that I that exists now that I <laughs> participate in, but Hesitantly, Kim, Kim Jung, Kim Un Finan, <laughs> but uh, a surveillance. No, it's state. just all That's the all funny. the all the phone stuff. Just the they get together and they just kind of, yeah. I mean, I'm like old man shaking fist at the sky, but not really. It's um, cliche, I guess now, but it's like, I mean, we used to go out and do stuff and. Even if they go out, it seems like they're all making TikTok videos all night long, you know? Yep, yep. Well, look, I think I'm lucky in that my kids were past the point of being able to to really do damage before all the social media stuff really hit. But we had some of that tracking that you're talking about, and we used it too. 
um, for sure. But the thing, you know, when we, we when we would go out when we were kids or young adults or whatever you want to call it, it's like we were getting into trouble or sometimes trying to get into trouble and not. But our parents didn't know what was going on. Right. Right. And well, so, we it, thought they didn't know well, what was going we th- on. They, well, that's true. But I think that the level. They didn't know specifically what was going on. There you go. On. Yeah. That's a better way to put it. And because of that unawareness, I think a lot of the stress was gone. Whereas nowadays, it's like, is my is my kid going to do something that's captured on film? Is my kid right. going to say something exactly. some, about somebody else that's hurtful? It's like, there's a lot of other facets that you have to worry about. So I think you're right. I think it is. Yeah, I'm having a lot of discussions. Now. Just like I know, I was a you know, I was a teenager. I know what goes on. I don't want to deny any of that, but just don't. Just I I just want them to be honest with me. That's it. Yeah. What was the last book you read? Last book I read, last book that I finished. I'm not sure. I I'm actually trying to read uh, Crime and Punishment right now. Not trying. It's just trying. Is that I. Mm-hmm. Have a cup of coffee. Have a little sitting area, mm-hmm. and um, I'll read a couple of pages because I never read any of the Russian novels. You know, yeah, like Tolstoy. And- yeah. Um, what's the last one I read? I read a lot of science books. I read a book called uh, I think it's called Info- Informatic Informatica, which is just about the history of information mm-hmm. and um. It's hard. I've got a Kindle. I've got the regular books, but you know, YouTube's easier. So, do you ever do book on tape? Yeah, yeah. And I do a lot of podcasts and yeah, in the car. Book um, on book on tape counts. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, so know who I got into recently? Now that I think about it, and <laughs> I started on book on tape one of his novels, but um, it's gigantic. And I um, David Foster Wallace. Have you ever read him? Why does that name ring a bell? I don't think I he's have. He's kind of a, he's kind of our generation. Okay. And he's really good. And he's got um, a whole bunch of short stories, which I've been reading on my Kindle. And there, and he was, he killed himself and he was severely like clinically depressed. Mm-hmm. And he, but his writing's amazing. Interesting. So, yeah. Look him up. I got to check that out. Um, all right. You are a twin, not identical, um, but you're a twin. Yeah. And do you think, you know, is there anything that you've ever noticed where, like, you can read each other's twin minds? Power? Yeah, twin powers. Yeah. Are twin powers real? Like, if, Yes, if, they are. Okay. <laughs> Lean in. Yes, they are. <laughs> tell me. Tell me more. Like, have you ever felt pain, Have you, like, a disturbance in the force? Like, you just have this sense, like, something's wrong with my sister, and you, and then you find out later that they're twisted her ankle or yeah, something like that? Yeah, all the time. In fact, she, she'll probably call me, like, wait. Three, two, one. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, our birthday was Saturday. Oh, happy birthday. And I guess that destroys my whole idea of twin power, but we hadn't called each other and like we called each other at the exact same minute. Like the phones like wow. just instantly connected. So yeah. and I said twin power. But we've had a lot of twin power um where we will just She'll call me up and say, hey, I was thinking about this. And I'm like, no, I was just exactly thinking Isn't about that. Isn't that wild? And I, but know what I think it is? Because I've thought about it. It's we grew up experiencing the same things and kind of having the same memories. So I think there's this cascade of, so if we see, you know, whatever. Uh, It'll remind you of the same thing. The Rudolph commercial comes on, then it just triggers all these 
things, and then we end up calling each other, and we're like, oh, no, you know, we were thinking about the same That's thing. That's interesting. That's a pretty practical um, but know, yeah, no, it's, it. um, yeah, we've always joked that we've had it. That's cool. Um, all right. One has to go away forever. Alcohol or music? I would have to say mute, uh, alcohol actually. Yeah. That's, I mean, I enjoy, um, as I pour myself. I mean, thankfully neither one has to go away. <laughs> yeah. But I think music is the definite keeper. The older I get, the, uh, I mean, <laughs> I enjoy um, a beer here and there often, but um, it kind of gets harder. I mean, I just get tired. I go to bed early, that sort of thing. Yeah. I like, you know, the idea of drinking at night. I prefer like a, you know, Saturday afternoon doing the lawn or something. Yeah. But music, I mean, I've always been just pretty passionate about music. I mean, I can't imagine not having music. Music is life, man. It really is. And you just said now with like Apple music and just everything at your fingertips, Spotify, Spotify. I mean, it's the best. Cause I just find myself like, Oh, you know, I'm just going to download that and listen to it. So, and if you're ever looking for a documentary, um, uh, Netflix has one called the playlist and it's basically the story of how Spotify came to be. And it's really interesting. It was in Sweden and, um, they were, you know, still on the outside looking in because at the time the record industry was still fighting all the yeah. streaming because it was all, all the streaming was just pirating, right? Right. So this this company Spotify figured out like, okay, the only way this is going to work is if we legitimize it, pay the artists, pay the record labels, and it wasn't easy. And they figured it out, but you got to got to check it out. I it's um it's, do they still does so. Are the artists satisfied with the royalties from the streaming? You know what? That's a great question. I really don't know. Because I, I thought that on the Apple side they weren't, and it was yeah. kind of monopolized with the iPod and all that in the mm-hmm. beginning. But um, I don't know with the streaming now. I don't know, but I think it's the whole industry has changed where it used to be when we were growing up, it was like you made your money from selling albums. Now they have to tour, which is good for us. Now they have to tour. Yeah. Right. And so I think all the money, I mean, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were on a podcast recently and and, and Anthony Kytus, the lead singer, was saying, you can have all my music for free. He's like, I, we just tour yeah. and we make plenty of money that way and I like it better anyway. So right. the whole paradigm has shifted away from what you can steal and what you can't because you can't steal a live experience. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter if it's Jimmy Buffett or the Peppers or John Mayer pretending he's Jerry Garcia or anything else. It's like... Being there live is special. You know, yeah. live music is really is really special. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what was your least favorite part of double sessions for high school football? <laughs> double sessions of I'm t- you. You caught me there because I'm just like, wow. I mean, that I'm, I might have erased all of that. Although, <laughs> well, actually, did we? When? Did, how did we meet? Uh, I was thinking about that. Did we meet at football um, or before no, that? No, it had to have been before that. I couldn't I pinpoint my, where I in Rye. Were you, were you in a Latin something? class? Oh, yeah. I was in Latin, yeah. I think it might have been Arnstein's Latin class okay. when I was a sophomore. But then we but then we played football. And I remember the first day of double sessions. Well, uh, <laughs> We went back to your house. Well, that's what I remember. I'm, and we just like crumbled. Yeah. 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 Just so much pain. 
Um, so what was the question again? Which which is worse? I, it was more of just an ambiguously stupid question. About, I, my, the question was, what was your least favorite part of double sessions? Well, football? I still the memory that stands out is running laps and having uh, uh, Coach Goodrich. What was it, Tubby? <laughs> Tubby Goodrich. Tubby Goodrich. Football is uh, physical. No, I would like half-ass it three-quarters of the way, and when I got near the edge of the track where he was, I'd, like, run real fast. And he called bullshit on me. He was like, fine, and what? You know, he saw it. Yeah, yeah, he saw it and called me out on it. And I remember that. Yeah. Um, oh, that's and funny. I remember going back and just drinking Gatorade and eating subs and just being, uh, I mean, wiped out at whatever age we were. 16, 17. 15, 16, 15. either, yeah. I mean. Because if you graduated when you were 17, then you must have been 15. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when he had a, a metal, he had shoulder surgery and had like a metal spike out of his arm? The whole football Coming season. Coming out. Oh, that's it was an about. actual piece of metal. Um, yeah. The whole season, it was the wildest thing. That was tough. Yeah. Um, you've always had a great sense of humor. Um, do you remember the first movie that you saw when you were younger? And you thought to yourself, okay, that's funny, and now I get why it's funny. Because you're around older people and adults that are making jokes, and usually they go over your head. And, like, you think you know what's funny, but then there's that one moment where you're watching a movie, and something happens on the screen, and you're like, oh, shit, that's funny, and now I get it. Like, I get it. Was there a movie that you saw that was almost like a coming-of-age comedy movie for you? Well, I two things popped in my head. One is kind of later... Um, Later in life is like a young adult, but in this, the first one is in my head because you have a poster of it right up behind me. Yeah. When you said that, I remember, and it's the most childish thing in the world. Um, so it's not, and it so it was childish humor. Um, but uh, what is behind me? Um, so you got two. You got uh, Strange Brew. Strange Brew. Yeah, absolutely. The opening scene where they get the lion, and I think it burps or something <laughs> instead of roars. Yeah. And then you got the what are their names? I I know Bob, and, Bob and Doug McKenzie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that with a buddy of mine from where Raymond, New Hampshire, from elementary school, and just thinking that was hilarious. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> Max von whatever the song was, but later. I remember watching, oh, now I have two popped into my head, but one was Dr. Strangelove. Oh, wow. And just, I mean, that's like really Kubrick. dark comedy. Yeah. And just <laughs> the whole thing with the uh, fluoridation of water and I only drink grain alcohol and the the crazy kernel there at the, at the base, um, just thinking that was like darkly hilarious. That was Kubrick, and do you know that Peter Sellers played three different roles in that movie? Yeah. It's an amazing right. piece of film. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And it is funny, and it's I think it's one of only two movies that he made that were supposed to be funny, um, but it was really good, black yeah. and white, great yep. movie. Good movie. Um, what are your thoughts on laugh tracks on TV shows? I, well, we were talking a little bit about just, you know, the golden age of TV with Mad Men and Breaking Bad and stuff. But um, I'm not sure, are they even, because I do not watch, I haven't watched sitcom TV in, I think, in 20 years, yep. to be honest with you. Smart. So I don't even know if it's, I guess, are they still, do they still have them? So um, I, I remember 
here's what I know about laugh tracks. I know that they were a thing, even when Cheers, Cheers, MASH, like all those great TV shows back then, they all had Cosby Show. They all had. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that. I remember. And then there was a point in time where they stopped using them and like the office didn't have one and then oh okay right yeah and then they and they went into but even seinfeld was, seinfeld had a laugh track right they don't age well but then there are still shows today like uh what's that fucking show um boy uh big bang theory yeah and you know so they still have a laugh track and they still put them on there i just feel like they're they instantly make the assumption by putting a laugh track in that the people watching aren't smart enough to know when to laugh. Well, and it allows you to stick in bad jokes too, and just kind of roll with know, it. Roll with it with a yeah. bad joke. There's in Annie Hall, another great movie. Yep. There's a whole. Do you remember that scene where he's in the studio and they're they're adding his friend Max is mm-hmm. like editing a TV show or something. He's like add, add a little more laughter here and. And Woody Allen says something Woody Allenish, but uh, I remember that scene. It's funny. All right, best game show ever made. God, probably Jeopardy, but Good it's answer. not very fun. I mean, it's not as fun as. Um, How about this best game like show match ever game. made? There you go. You know, there you go. That, those were kind of fun prices for all those seventies shows that we. Watch, right? The match game with Gene Rayburn. Joker's Wild. Joker's Wild. The match game I love because you could tell they were all wasted. They were drinking, (laughs) smoking butts right on the set, right Right. on TV. Um, And then they try to redo it with Alec Baldwin. It wasn't nearly uh, as good. Yeah, I I would say the 70s, late 70s was probably the golden age of... uh, Game shows. Game shows. I agree. No whammies. uh, Have you ever watched um, Wheel of Fortune? Not really. Yeah. Oh, know what I like? I like that uh, um, Family Feud with the new host. Steve Harvey? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like kind of scenes from, you can catch like uh, Instagram shorts or whatever of just people saying outrageous stuff. Do you remember that dude? What was the the original host's name? Richard Dawson? Oh, yeah. He used to fucking try to kiss everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Constantly. Um, There's a show called Cien Mexicanos Dijeron, which 100 Mexicans said. Which is a Mexican version of Price is Right. Oh, and I used to watch that with my yeah. wife. It's hilarious. I I, I still remember they said, uh, name a town, you know, top 10, you know, 100 people surveyed, whatever they say. Um, name a city in the U.S. that's associated with the independence. And someone, they hit the buzzer, they're like, Houston. <laughs> And I remember laughing so hard. And I only I, I laughed awesome. so hard because, it, I mean, it was just, I mean, there's two kind of ports of entry into. I was going to say for them, that is Houston freedom. and Miami, right? right? So it's like the only city they might know. So it was like Houston. What a riot. Um, all right. So today we're in this world that we live in. We're dealing with a lot of really serious problems. And uh, one of them uh, I, I want to talk about. What do you know about the extreme scourge that is the Jeep wave? What is it? Oh, the Jeep Wave. Have you not heard of this? I don't think I know anything about oh, it. Oh, it's a real problem. It's, it's actually probably good you don't know about it. It's a real, real problem. So, uh, Jeep? Jeep Wave. Jeep Jeep Wave. The Jeep Wave, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you about this because it's almost better that you don't know. But what the Jeep Wave is, is it's this form of uh, elitist classism. And, and basically, if you own a Jeep Wrangler, not the Renegade, 
not the Cherokee, not uh, not the any, Liberty. No, not the Liberty. None, not the Compass. Only the Wrangler specifically. Um, and these people drive around when they see each other on the road. They, they wave. wave at each other, right? And at first, you think, well, that pick sounds- up truck drivers do that too, don't they? Maybe I yeah. mean, I, and motorcycle drivers. But but here's the thing: it's any it's any eighteen wheeler. They wave, not like a certain brand of eighteen wheelers. Yeah. And all motorcyclists wave to each other down low. They do that down low. And if you're riding on a lake in a boat, you wave because right. everybody waves in the water. Right. But then you know these these fucking jeep owners. They think <laughs> they're so special that they have this unique wave. And the thing about it that's so ridiculous is like you are instantly saying, "I'm your buddy." Because I've got the same car that you have and every other 19-year-old student at UNH has. And I know you're cool because you're driving basically the McDonald's of cars. Yeah. And uh, my girlfriend drives the Jeep Wrangler and the... Does she do the wave? Yes. And it's now she does it more because she knows I hate it so much. <laughs> but every once in a while, the other person won't wave back or they won't wave to her to start things off and it's it's where it needs to be but here's the crazy part if you go into a jeep dealership they promote it so you get a, a new jeep they will give you a pamphlet on the jeep wave and they tell no you problem. how to do it like most people will put up two fingers or you can do like a surf sign or if you want you can do this but always do it safely you know and then you see like some of the guys that are like super into it and like wave so much and like honk the horn mm. but um to me i'm gonna have to run a jeep Go oh. see how many waves I get. Oh, you'll get so many that you'll want to turn it in right away. It's a real big problem. And well, it's what's, I've had it's what's dis- wrong with America. Well, I, I don't disagree <laughs> with that. Although the dad wave, which my kids have named, which is what we all what's do. The, what's the dad wave? It's the someone's in the crosswalk and you let them go or someone's in the car. and they, Like this? Well, or the it's just the thank you kind of if. You know, you let somebody in or whatever. It's just the quick. It's kind of a jeep wave, I guess, but it's just the acknowledgement. Yeah, but there's a, there's an act of kindness behind that, right? Not superiority, right? And that's right. the problem. The jeep wave is just completely taking us backwards. All right, so you went to a military college. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. Uh, which actually, at the time that you selected it, I was kind of surprised because it was like, wow, that's not where I thought he was going to go, but. It, Obviously worked out great, and I think your family has a history there, right? Right, right. That was a big part of it. Um, what was that experience like? And was there something about going to that college that you were like, "Oh, I wasn't ready for this"? Like, was there something you were like, "Did you ever wish to yourself, why well, couldn't I have gone to UVM or UNH instead?" Uh, I kind of think that's one thing that I had clarity on was that I probably needed to go to have a little bit of discipline, like mm-hmm. UVM. I probably would have just partied too much. Not that I didn't party at Norwich, but um, so you're putting guardrails on yourself. I think so. And then, yeah, but and smart. then there's just the history of my my dad and my brother and two of my uncles and brother in law. There was a whole lot of family that went there, and I grew up basically going. I mean, I my earliest memories are going up there for homecoming yeah. football games and stuff. So, um, I was kind of destined to do it again. My Older brothers, I had an older brother that went there, and I was just basically trying to be through music and everything, trying sure. to be my older brothers. So that's what happens, right? I mean, right. so uh, no, so and did any? Um, 
I never really had any. There were a lot of people dropped out and stuff, but I, I mean, I kind of, that was one thing that I kind of knew I was going to be doing. That's cool. Even at 17, that's surprising. Like, I was nowhere near that mental capacity to be like, I got to put guardrails on myself. I mean, I only applied to a couple schools. I think UNH and Notre Dame, somehow I thought I was some. Interesting. Rudy. Catholic. Yeah, maybe it was just Rudy. Yeah. Um, in Notre, UNH was interesting because I just, I knew I couldn't go there because it would have been, I think there was 75 kids that went for my graduating class. Yes, right. That was it. Yeah. 15 minutes down the road. It just didn't seem like it was close enough to the college experience. But, right. um, my, my, one of my, a, a very good employee of mine right now recently graduated from Norwich. He was like the president of the student body or whatever that's called. I forget what the name of it is, but he's a yeah, commandant cadet or cadet, so. uh, cadet colonel. Cadet colonel. Yeah. He's a great employee, good guy. Um, all right, so final question, and this is a chance to give. So the last couple of years with COVID, it's been tough to be in the restaurant industry, in the service industry, and um, a lot of restaurants didn't make it. Um, and I am a firm believer that you need to stay away from the corporate shit and stay yeah. local. So if you could give a shout-out or a recommendation, what, what's the best place to get a, a drink or a dinner uh, what what local establishment anywhere in the area would you say people that are listening should go check out? Hmm. And it could be for any reason, any reason you want. Yeah, I don't, uh, it's a good question. I, I probably need to go downtown more, although there's a bit of, of feeling like, uh, you know, poor, I'm not, I'm not, Portsmouth is changing, and I accept it. But especially restaurant-wise, it's very boutique-y, and there's kind of strange places. I think there's a a need for a good pub because mm. they're gone. There used to be Molly Malone's. There used to be yeah, Molly the, even the re, right. which was corporate, the Rira. Yep. Um, but there just aren't any anymore. Um, okay, so actually, it's not Portsmouth; it's Dover. There's a I think it's June Cork Pub. Have you been to that? Sixth uh, Street. Right, it's on right near the off the train tracks, right near Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, yeah, right behind. It's there like it an English pub. Oh, okay, um, I've seen it, but I've never been in. Oh, it's great. They, I mean, so I'm into like Six Nations rugby, which is in the spring. Yep. Um, went up for some games for that, and that's got a lot of character, and they play all the, you know, what Six Nations rugby? What is that? Who plays Six in Nations that? rugby? Um, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, England, Italy, and. Am I missing France? Oh wow! And it's just a tournament from like the end of is February it, to into March. It ends right around St. Patrick's Day. Is it a sevens tournament or is it full no, rugby? Eleven full rugby. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. It's uh, um, so that's fun to go watch. Um, and I watched last year at uh, up at June Cork. I think it's June Cork. Yeah. I don't know who June Cork is. Um, sounds like it should be a place. And then um. Our family, our place, and we haven't been there in a long time, is uh, the Old Salt down in in um, yeah. Hampton, just in the tavern there. Yep. And it's just kind of that. Well, we like that because we've just kind of always, over the years, have gone there. My brother used to live in Northampton. Um, so that's more kind of like a... Some history there. Thing. Nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. Well, well you, you successfully passed 20 questions just all like right. that. Hey, and uh, for the uh, listening audience, you should see the, the, the live studio audience here. They are cheering. 
Um, they've got big, huge flags with uh, pictures of water. Uh, they're doing the wave, no pun intended. Um, and and uh, in all seriousness, guys. I only um, got to coagulation, and then then you got bored and moved on. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I tried to space it out so that we would, you know, ramp up to mm. the important stuff, you know. Coagulation, though, now I know more about water than I used to. And uh, thank you for your service with getting clean water to everybody on the planet. And thanks for coming on the show. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ethan. Fun. Have a good night, guys.